Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28 is where we'll start in just a moment. The key concept for this, mor- this morning is this. Joy-fueled rest will bust your stress. We're talking about living well, the kind of life that God wants us to live, and today, finding rest in the midst of stress. While you find Matthew chapter 11... Onward Magazine is the magazine that is published by the North American Baptist Conference. That's the conference of churches that we belong to. And in the spring 2019 edition, they have a story, a true story by Amber Dowd. She writes about a discovery her young son made. He was in his closet one day and and he, he noticed that there's a piece of the wall that can be removed from the back of the closet in his uh, bedroom. And as he did that, he looked inside and he saw a section of attic that no one knew was a part of this house. Now, when his mother came and looked into this section of attic, she saw a dusty, dirty, creepy place filled with cobwebs and spiders and who knows what else. But the son saw a perfect secret hideout. And her husband caught her son's vision. And so together, they began to sweep out that old attic. They began to, uh, they brought in electric, an electric cord, uh, an extension cord, so that he could have a light. They cleaned it out. They brought in cushions. They brought in toys. And the father fashioned a round hobbit-like door to go over that opening. And when they got done, the son had a fantastic secret hideout. And I thought to myself as I read that article, thinking about what I was talking about today, you know, rest is a God-given secret hideout that he wants us to find in the midst of stressful life. Rest reminds us that there is a place where God will replenish us and he will give us strength. It reminds us that God is in charge, not us. When I rest, I'm handing the steering wheel of my life to God, knowing that He can handle it better than I ever could. And rest is a gift that Jesus wants to give us. In Matthew 28, excuse me, Matthew 11, verse 28 says this. You follow along as I read. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants to give you the gift of rest. He knows that that is what you need to beat stress. Now, let me tell you what I'm talking about when I say rest. What I'm not talking about is sleep. Now, you all need sleep. And you probably need more sleep than you're getting. At least that's what the experts tell us, that we're becoming more and more a sleep-deprived nation. Our schedule is driving us to less sleep than we actually should have. But that's not exactly what I'm talking about when I'm saying stress. I'm talking about a lifestyle that builds in rejuvenation. I'm talking about a way of living that we need because stress is a killer. We all need a certain amount of stress. You know, stress is, a, is physical, emotional, and mental tension, and we need some of that. It keeps us alert. It keeps us able to function in difficult circumstances. It's not like we, we should have no stress whatsoever, but a chronic lifestyle of stress without building in appropriate rest is going to hurt you in a multitude of ways. Physically, we get ulcers, we get headaches, we get heart problems. Relationally, you tend to pull away from people. You, get, you tend to be grouchy with the people who love you the very most under stress. And the fact is, we have brought this on ourselves. And the way that we have brought this on ourselves is we have made being busy into a virtue. Nobody wants to be thought of as not busy. Because if you're not busy, our society tells us, then you must not be very competent. If you're not busy, it must be that nobody really is depending on you. You're not really worthy if you're not busy. I mean, think about it. This past week, how many times when somebody asked you, how are you, was your answer busy? Thinking you were saying something good about yourself. We have made busyness into a virtue, but chronically busy without rest leads us to unhealthy stress. Someone once described life as a marathon. I don't think it is. I don't think life is like a marathon at all. I think life is a series of sprints. Some of those sprints are more intense than others. Some of them seem more competitive than others. But in this series of sprints called life, you need to learn how to rest in between them and find what I call joy-fueled rest in between the sprints. We all need that. I love the story uh, that John Orkberg wrote about himself. His life was just just sprint, 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 sprint. He was at that time of life as, as he relates this particular story and he described the time in his life this way. He said, we were at the minivan driving, soccer league, piano lesson, ballet recital, teacher parent conference, birthday party hosting, homework helping time of life. You've been there if you're a parent or maybe you're there right now. And in that time of life, plus job, plus everything else, things get pretty stressful. And he was feeling pulled in a million directions. So he went to a spiritual mentor, an older saint, and he told him the situation. And he explained his stress. And he said, well, what should I do? And that older saint was sitting behind the desk, and he paused. And he shuffled some papers on the desk. And he said, 
you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And John Harper quickly wrote that down. Okay, great. What else? And he paused for a moment. He rearranged the papers on his desk. And he said, there's nothing else. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Cease all the hurrying. Now, that's harder than it sounds, really, because we are caught up in the hurry of life. So what I'm going to talk to you today about joy-fueled rest has to do with two concepts. Concept number one is the structure of your life. Concept number two is the practice of your day-to-day. The structure of your life, the practice of your day-to-day. Structure of your life, point number one, we must incorporate the principle of Sabbath rest into our schedule. Now, what that means is, straight from the Bible, is that one day in seven is a day where we rest from our our labors and we assemble to worship God. One day of seven. Now, we need that. We all need that. These two ideas go together, particularly for people who are followers of Jesus Christ, both pulling away from the, the rat race of life and coming together as worshipers will de-stress us. And this is always de- de- uh, designed this way. Jesus says in Matthew, excuse me, in Mark chapter 2, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath idea, the principle, was created to bless and balance lives of human beings. Because God understands that you getting rest is not just, it's not a luxury, it is a necessity. So he says, one day in seven, I want you to stop fretting and fighting, stop being anxious and troubled, stop all the striving and all the pushing. One day in seven, I want you to pull away, quiet yourself, and worship with God's people. Now, Early in the first century, Christians moved that day of worship and rest from the seventh day of the week, which was in the Old Testament, to the first day of the week. That is obvious in the New Testament. They're meeting for worship on the first day of the week, Sunday. And the reason for that is because they, under, they recognized Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week. So in the New Testament, first century on, The Lord's Day became Sunday where we gather symbolically um, remembering the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the ideas of a Sabbath rest day came with that switch. We are now worshiping on the Lord's Day, and the Lord's Day for us should be a day of assembling for worship and a day of rest, a different day than the rest of the week. But this has drifted in our society. It went from being considered a sacred day into a day of mindless consumption and amusement in our society. Sunday is no different than any other day for the majority of people. And I want you to know that that is to our loss. Because we're designed by God to have a Sabbath, one day in seven, one day of rest and worship. This is what it will do for us. Number one, it will allow us to separate out our large commitments and values. The things that we really care about, we can focus on in that one day. That alone is a stress buster. 
Because every day you're bombarded with all kinds of things that call for your attention, they call for your investment, they call for your value, they call for your action. Here's the thing. If you think all of those are the same importance, that all of those things are equal, you will be stressed out your entire life. They're not all equal. One day in seven, we pull away and we concentrate on the big things. We realign our priorities and our soul and worship with the Lord. One day in seven, I'm lifted out of the every day into the things that, is, that are eternal. But you, who are the followers of Jesus, need to work on this because your society is heading in the other direction. It means you need to more than ever work at de-scheduling your Sundays. More than ever, you need to kind of keep it separate. Say church and worship and rest, taking time to be together with family, taking time to read, listening to music, taking walks, talking together in an uncluttered, unhurried day. It is harder to do this than it used to be. It means saying no to some things But it is important that you do this. God has designed you to do this. And in the quietness of the day that is created, stress will be less. Joy-fueled rest will be yours. Number two, a day of rest affirms the work that's completed. In Genesis chapter 2, God is the first rester. Here's what it says there. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God himself rested. Not because he was tired, he is almighty, but because really this pattern is something that he was baking into the program. The idea of working until a day when I stop the work and I look back and I see the value of what I've done. God said he looked at all he had created and it was good. This is the pattern, and it's the same pattern for us because we all want to feel like what we're doing in our jobs is important, is valuable, it has meaning. We, we want that. And when we don't pause to look back and to, in a sense, celebrate what we've accomplished and, and have a, a sense of ending from one thing and moving on to the next, when we don't do that, the value of what we're in, engaged in goes down. And soon, the only value that we'll feel in the labor that we do all the time is the value of the paycheck. But there's more to your labor than just a paycheck. As you are faithfully doing the job that you are called to do, the work that you are placed to do, you do it in such a way to glorify God. You do it in such a way to bless your families. You do it in such a way to be a meaningful part of society. There's more meaning to work than a paycheck. And unless we rest from work once in a while, we won't see that. But rest helps us see that. God sets us the example of a rest day that blesses us and balances our lives. He gives us this rhythm in his own example. We get to interpret our work through rest. If the pace is unending, we'll never get that interpretation. I have a bigger picture. Thirdly, a day of rest gives you space to worship. 
a time in which we gather to glorify God. And that's important. Over in, in Deuteronomy 5, Moses is once again talking about the importance of Sabbath. But this time he looks at it from a little different perspective. He says this in Deuteronomy 5, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. He's saying, because you were rescued, you need to make sure you worship. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been rescued. And finding time to worship God is what we are commanded to do. As we, as we worship God on this, the Lord's day, we, we connect ourselves to what is eternal and forever. In other words, gathering for worship on Sunday should never fight to find a place in your schedule. It should be the discipline and the pattern, the rhythm of your days, the structure of your life. And if you wake up on a rainy Sunday morning like today and you say to each other, do you feel like going to church today? You're already losing the battle. It needs to be baked in to the structure of your life. Now, by now, you're probably saying, yeah, but Pastor Mark, that's really good, but we're the ones who are here. We came to church today. What about the rest of our life? So remember the two patterns, structure of your life and pattern of your day. So let me give you some suggestions for the pattern of your day, which brings joy-fueled rest to every day. Last week, I gave you the AAAP, the Anti-Anxiety Action Plan. Today, I'm giving you the ASAP, the Anti-Stress Action Plan, and you need to put the ASAP in place, ASAP. So here's number one. You're going to hate this. Practice slowing. Put yourself in positions where you're going to need to wait. You say, what? I hate waiting. You need to learn to love waiting if you're going to slow. Go to the doctor's office. And when you go to the doctor's office, when it keeps you sitting out in the lobby for 20 minutes and then a half an hour in the small little cubicle, instead of resenting every single minute, read the old magazines that are there. Just take some time to recognize this is a gap, this is a, 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 a margin in my life that I can slow down in. Here's another thing. Drive in the slow lane and let people pass you. At first, it's going to feel like you're losing the race, but after a while, it will be very calming. Here's when you get victory. This is victory. This is what victory looks like. When you're driving in the slow lane on the highway, and you can roll down your window, and you can wave people by. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm resting here. Don't worry. I'm going to get there. You go speeding on by. Victory. Why? Because slow, you don't need to go as fast as you go on the highways. And it just gives you stress. Practice slowing down. Next one is practice sitting quietly. I put this to work myself. In, in my study, I have meetings from time to time. There's a little table there where I meet with people. And I, I regularly go sit at that table before the meeting's going to start and I just sit quietly. I pause. It's a break in between one thing and the next thing. And in that break, I'm able to rest, I'm able to think, I'm able to plan, just let things go through my mind and pray. Practice sitting quietly. Do it for five minutes every day. Do it for ten minutes if you can. Here's what I mean by sitting quietly. I mean turn off the TV. I mean put, off, put away the laptop. 
I mean, put away the phone. You can do this. Put away the phone and just sit quietly. If you can't sit quietly for five minutes without falling asleep, you're way too stressed. You need to catch up on your sleep and then try this. Because as you are quiet yourself, you can perceive the world around you better in a more calm fashion. Third, of course, go to Jesus in prayer. Prayer is a part of finding joy-fueled rest. I'll tell you a true, not a true story, a fable that, that is, uh, is, is old. It's called The Well and the Cathedral. And it's a fable about a, a, a well, an artesian well that bubbled to the surface, that people drank this water and they were so refreshed and, and, and blessed by it. And, and so, so one of them suggested, let's build a roof over this well so the stuff doesn't fall in. So they did. And then years went by, another man suggested, we should build a cathedral over this well to recognize that it's a gift from God. And they did, but pretty soon they added and added and added onto the cathedral, and they forgot about the well. In the basement, it was still bubbling there. It was still there, ready for them. Jesus is the well spring of rest. He's both the example and the source. Go to him in prayer. I have a little piece of paper stuck under the blotter of my desk in, in a study there. It says this, prayerlessness says I don't need God. I have it where my eyes will see it because it reminds me to pray. Fourthly, declutter your life. What I mean by that is simply asking yourself the question, what are the most important things to me? What are the three to five most important things to me? And at the end of the day, look back and say, did I do anything about the three to five most important stuff, things? Or was I caught up in all kinds of other stuff that really is not important at all, so I had to hurry to get to the important things? Decluttering your life one day at a time, taking things out that don't relate to what's really important, that will help you reduce stress. What we do with our time matters as we become increasingly uh, caught up in sometimes things that we don't really even care about. And so in conclusion, I want you to hear these words from the prophet Isaiah. He says this, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That is a picture of a person who is living with joy-fueled rest, depending on the Lord. Jesus wants to give you that gift. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you love us. Thank you that you know us. Thank you that we can depend on you to give us structure for our life and pattern for our days. And Lord, as we live it your way, we know that you will give us that, that power, that enablement that we need. Soar on wings like eagles. Lord, that's what we want. Help us, we pray. Help us to accomplish that. In your name we ask it. Amen. The team is back for a closing song. Let's stand together as we sing.
just a moment we're going to leave this place but maybe you're here and you're saying there's an issue for which I need prayer in my life I invite you to come down to where the uh, organ is next to the prayer table there's prayer counselors who will wait for you there they would love to pray for you but first let's all pray together Heavenly Father we pray that we would be able to find the rest that you have for us that gift of of uh, strengthening that you want to give us. Help us, Lord, as we seek to live our lives for you. Lord, we pray that people will look at us and see Jesus. So, Lord, we pray that we live as good examples of what you would do and you would say. Dismiss us with your blessing. Watch over us in your care, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.